0: Hello, and welcome to another edition of Across the States, the premier state and local policy podcast. I'm your host, Matt Fisher, and joining me today are two special guests, Susan Lassard, town manager of Bucksport, Maine, and Andre Cushing, the Penope Scott County commissioner, also hailing from the state of Maine. Susan, Andre, welcome to Across the States. How are you guys doing today?
1: Very well, thank you. Doing great, Matt.
0: Now, let's kick things off by discussing some background. Now, as I mentioned a moment ago, Susan, you are the town manager of Bucksport, Maine. For our listeners who may not know much about Bucksport, what can you tell us about your hometown?
1: The town of Bucksport is located in midcoast Maine, actually on the Penobscot River that goes to Penobscot Bay. It's a community of approximately 5,000 people, and for 80 years, it was home to a paper mill that... Closed abruptly
2: in 2014. I uh, had the pleasure of working with Susan at a previous town that she was manager of for what close to 14 years. I was on the council there. I found her to be just a very refreshing manager. When she brought us a challenge, she brought us some options and solutions. She's always been kind of that type of person that is solution oriented and what you look for, in my opinion, in uh, town officials who are trying to help you as a business person or a resident to make your community better and transition through a lot of the things that uh, you have to deal with. So,
0: Now, Bucksport is home to many small businesses. I understand that in recent years, aquaculture has enjoyed a resurgence, but Bucksport is a small town economy. So when the coronavirus hit, What were some of the initial challenges that faced you as a town manager and Bucksport as a whole when it came to responding to the pandemic?
1: The town government operations started talking about the possibilities of the pandemic in February of 2020. So, when all the wheels came off the bus, so to speak, in March, when things were closed abruptly, we were somewhat prepared in terms of. Our public safety personnel had protective equipment. We had ordered ahead for other things. And we had come up with a plan for staffing our operations so that we never stopped providing services to our residents, even though we had to do them in alternate ways because we weren't open to people coming in. I'm very proud of the fact that we didn't miss a day observing the public during this pandemic.
0: You organized and spearheaded the Pay It Forward program in Bucksport to respond to the pandemic. Now, how did Pay It Forward work and what made it so successful? And what else entailed the town of Bucksport's response to the pandemic?
1: The Pay It Forward program was a middle-of-the-night idea that I had on how to help residents and businesses that really had hit a wall very abruptly And while the federal and state governments were talking about doing things, their wheels move much more slowly than they do at local government. And so the idea was that we would provide a bridge until federal and state programs took over. And that bridge was grants to our small businesses who had been impacted and grocery store gift cards to those who had lost jobs or had their hours reduced, as well as free delivered meals to our seniors three days a week, additional funding for our local homeless shelter and additional funding for our food pantry. The initial price tag for this was the town council unanimously approved an expenditure of $115,000 For all of these things, for a two month period for April and May of 2020. And a former resident of Bucksport, who was the CEO of a major national, international actually firm, heard about the program and contacted us and gave us an additional $60,000 for our program. So we had $175,000 to do this, all of these things. And we assisted. A little over a hundred small businesses, 120 residents. We delivered over 6,000 meals to seniors. The homeless shelter got an additional 7,500 to start a food delivery service, and the Bucksport Food Pantry had additional funding to help it with its monies as well. It was extremely successful. It did a couple of things. The first thing it did was show the residents and businesses of our community that the town was there to help. We couldn't solve every problem, but we were there, we were accessible, we were thinking about what their challenges were, and we were using town resources in a very targeted way to get to those most impacted by this pandemic because it impacted people differently. Certainly those who all of a sudden not working, were heavily impacted. And businesses that had to close were badly impacted. And our our businesses are, are small businesses. They're, we're a small community. We have small businesses. And they're just shutting the doors really wasn't an option. And so our grants to them, these weren't loans. They were grants for two months. It helped them pay the mortgage or pay their utility bills or those kind of things that was a real indication to them that we were we sort of had their back as much as possible and it it helps steady the community it brought us together in a real we're all in this together no one's floundering around alone we're what is a strong sense of community anyway and this really reinforced that and it it sort of has spawned other good works that have happened since this as a result of this program. Susan, let's
2: delve into that a little bit because you shared with us previously about the Bucksport Bucks program and what the multiplier effect was from uh, this type of community spirit and what they saw the town doing to step up.
1: Yes, we also, with funds that weren't expended in the previous ones, the, the council used some to on what was called the Bucks Bucks. It's Bucks Sport. But what it did was matched coupons at local businesses. If you bought $10 worth of Bucks Bucks, you could spend them for $20 at a local business and the fund would kick in the, the other 50%. And the town kicked in money, but other entities also contributed to this program. And we put more than $60,000 into the hands of local businesses through this program in the first round, which was in the, around the holidays. And then we have a second program that's starting now that's sort of a modified version that should, we hope, engender approximately that much as well.
2: You're a community that was going through some major changes. I mean, the mill was 40% of your tax base that went away pretty much in a blink of an eye with the recognition that it wasn't coming back. So you were already facing some challenges, but I think it's impressive to see what support your council and your community has given to themselves as a, a town and to their friends and neighbors. Talk a little bit about what it has meant in attitude in the opportunities that are now coming forward with Maine Maritime and the aquaculture facilities, what they uh, see Bucksport as as a result of some of these positive changes.
1: Bucksport has always been a planning community, and the reason it has significant resources to do this kind of assistance is that it planned for the future decades ago and has done it in incremental steps to have the financial resources to be able to do that. So when the mill, which employed more than 500 people closed, and not only closed, but there was no reopening, it was torn down and eliminated 579 jobs and 40% of our municipal valuation went out the door overnight. And so when I came here in 2015, right after that had occurred, the community was sort of in a, so what do we do next? (laughs) Where do we go from here? And rather than do what many communities have done post mill closure or post major, they didn't curl up like an armadillo. They didn't stop moving forward. And they didn't, most importantly, they didn't wait for someone to come save us. If the community knows anything, it's the cavalry is us that, the solutions to the problems here were not going to be found in some distant government land or waiting for some major somebody to buy the whole mill site. That The town didn't own that site. It worked well with the new owner that tore it down, but we concentrated on the things that we could control, which was filling Main Street. Half of our businesses were, uh, were empty and within two years, there's not an empty space on Main Street. We really worked hard. We have six major planning efforts that are not just planning efforts that sit on the shelf, but that we're actively engaged in attaining the goals that were identified in there.
0: So with this pandemic winding down, businesses opening again, picking up steam, how is Bucksport handling the transition after initiatives like Pay It Forward? How is Bucksport adjusting back in the post-COVID economy?
1: As I said, Pay It Forward was one more example of building community in a community that has known stress. I mean, it, the pandemic followed hard on the heels of a lot of loss, major job loss, community valuation loss, and people have been doing heavy lifting for a long time to bring the community out of that. And so, if anybody knew how to work it's the people of my community who were already doing hard things and and so the pandemic presented challenges but we never devolved here into the negative everything that we do we look at it we we consider it through the positive okay okay we can't do this what can we do how can we continue to it's not just shut the door and wait for someone to tell us it's okay to open, or, or just stop using resources because there might not be any later. The idea here was we have to keep moving forward because for us, taking a year off wasn't an option. We are are trying to reestablish our economy. The land-based aquaculture project that is located here, Maine Maritime Academy's Mariner Training Institute, which brings. Mariners from all over the world to train here. All of these things are entities that have, they put their faith in us. They've purchased land here. They've invested here. The town sort of shutting itself down or or not moving forward wouldn't be a good message to send to them. And it certainly wouldn't be a good message to send to our residents. In the first several weeks after things were, we weren't able to let people into the building we received hundreds and hundreds of phone calls from people. What what do we do? What do we do? Because when people don't know where else to go, this is where they come, their hometown, their town office. Somebody there's got to know something. They always think, "I, I only hope they're right. But it was a bonding experience in many ways. And I know that sounds strange, but it brought people together. Our local bookstore, which has been here for decades, Saw a bigger business during the pandemic than he did he has prior to because people were shopping here. They weren't going anywhere else. They were the businesses that could be open, and businesses found very creative ways to package things up and have them delivered or have them outside. And I guess it's a very it's been a very creative experience here. Um, not that there hasn't been pain because there has, but overall. I'm tremendously proud of how our community has responded. And I don't want to say we haven't skipped a beat, but I don't think we have. We have a number of major, major projects, a dock rebuild and a fishing pier restoration and local retaining walls project and a $3 million road repair. Those are all things that started and are moving forward during this pandemic. So... For anyone who's who's listening who thinks you have to wait for someone to tell you the answer or someone to, there's so much good work being done every day in communities across this country. I'm sure that we're not unique in that, but I, I really think that there's great power and the positive collaboration um, at the local level. And I think we've, we've sort of proven that. Our, mill rate has gone down from where it was in 2015 when the mill closed we have our fund balance has has stayed intact despite all the things that all our projects have been good stewards of the people's money and and we're partnering we partner we I am not an advocate for making government bigger because it can be bigger if, but I am an advocate for partnering with entities that provide services or do things that our residents want that with a little targeted application of funding can happen in a very real way without creating more administrative burden for local taxpayers. Susan,
2: just because we've discussed this a couple of times, I think there's some points that we ought to touch on here. Leaders lead by example, and you have done that. Uh, Talk a little bit about what you did to make sure the increased number of home delivery meals got taken care of without creating more
1: infrastructure. Well, I have a public works department and a public safety department, and the meals were delivered on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and between the hours of 11 and 1. And so on Mondays, staff members from public works took turns doing deliveries, and on Wednesdays, public safety personnel, either police, fire, or EMS did. And on Fridays, my husband and I delivered meals as there were other volunteers who did, who routinely do this, but the number of meals being delivered was so much larger than our, the normal program that it took extras. And so it didn't cost the town extra to deliver the meals, but the goodwill that was created there was huge. The seniors who were sort of in lockdown were so happy to see us and their local government coming to see them three days a week was nice.
0: What are some lessons that state and local lawmakers can learn from Bucksport's handling of the coronavirus pandemic?
1: I think that the major lesson is that I would wish that state and federal government had more faith. those of us at the local level to be able to make good decisions with resources we are the ones the closest to the people i know the name of most everyone that comes to the front counter here i've been here six years but sometimes the programs that are developed at other levels of government haven't been developed by anybody who has to figure out how to make them work at the local level or make them simple enough so that small communities without massive staffs can even apply for them because the programs are so complicated that they're very, very difficult to access for people without staff. But I guess overall, the lesson for anyone is that it really makes a difference how you approach a challenge. If it's if you start out by saying to people what don't you like what's wrong you're gonna go right down a negative road and, and you can't come back but if you ask people what they like what's right what is positive we went through a heart and soul process through the Orton Family Foundation that sort of turned it on its head this way that everything that we approach now is from the positive no matter how, negative it might look. You have to find the way out is a positive, not a negative. Because if you try to go down a negative road, you're going to go nowhere. And I know I'm repeating myself on that, but I I guess that that's probably the most important. We don't devolve into personalities. We have, have seven very different counselors, all the way to the left, all the way to the right, and everywhere in the middle. And they have very spirited discussions. But there's no... Personal name calling. They talk about issues, not ideology. And it makes a difference in how, when we leave the room, everybody's still speaking, everybody's still fine, e- even though everyone has wildly different political views. They make decisions based on what really matters for the community and not for any other reason.
0: Susan, Andre, it's been a pleasure to have you both on. Thank you so much for joining us today on Across the States.
1: Thank you very much, Matt.
2: And thank you, Susan, for taking the time to share this. I hope it helps others and inspires them to make their communities better by pulling together.
1: Thank you very much for the opportunity. And I hope it helps some other community as it's facing challenges.
0: And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Again, I'm your host, Matt Fisher. And be sure to tune in again next time for more of Across the States.
1: Thank you for listening to Across the States, the leading state-focused policy podcast presented by the American Legislative Exchange Council, the premier free market organization of and for legislators. To learn more about our work or to make a tax-deductible donation, visit alec.org. Tell us what you think on Facebook and Twitter at Alex states. The views and opinions expressed on Across the States are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the American Legislative Exchange Council.